four, three, two, one, let's go. This is the Pick 4 Podcast. I'm your host like every week. I'm Mark. Thanks for checking back in. Uh, extra special guest this week might be the person that uh, I have known longer than anybody I'm not related to. Uh, my good friend, Jeremy Daniel. Hello, hello. Jeremy, appreciate you coming and checking out our uh, our setup here. I am honored, sir. Coming to participate in shenanigans. Shenanigans are fun. So what we decided to do, and this was actually your idea, um, since we've known each other this long, we decided to pick four things we miss from childhood. Yes, excellent stuff. This will be. This will be... I think it'll be fun by the time we're done. <laughs> um, we grew up together. Our parents have been friends since uh, they were in junior high and high school. Continued to continued their friendship through adulthood. Um, then, so by the time that each of us were born, we had, we no, had choice. no choice. Yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> it was thrust upon us. How, how, okay, so you you came up with. Sort of six ideas right off the top of your head. Were those ones you'd already had in mind, or did you have to dwell on it? I didn't ha really have to dwell too hard on it. Um, some of this is kind of uh, brought up based on some of the interactions I've had over the last couple of years. Um, that, you know, especially because I work with children, mm -hmm. and so things that you see children doing that you go, dang, I miss that. <laughs> so uh, some of these were really, really easy. Maybe a, one or two was a little bit more difficult to kind of put into a general category to where there was something to really formulate around. But uh, yeah. most of the time, these are pretty fast. Yeah, when the, uh, when the grandkids are around, um Inevitable. I'll do something stupid that I think, man, if I was three, I would think that was pretty awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's that, that's kind of how it goes. All right. So you, you've got four. Give us give us your first one. Dial it up for us. Number one or number four, whichever order we're going in. Um, I'm going to pick sleeping in any situation. Yeah. Uh, by the time you... You hit your forties, uh, sleeping more than four or five hours at a time becomes uh, a luxury. <laughs> I would pay to have more luxury. <laughs> I would pay for some more luxury. I get it. Yeah, after forty, it's like crap. When did I have to start waking up in the middle of the night to pee every night? Yeah, and falling asleep in the chair or on the couch, and like once you wake up and try to sit up, it's like. Everything has just contorted, and you're in a knot. Frozen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the cold never bothered me anyway. I mean, yeah. I mean, everything is frozen up. Um, yeah. So you know, heck, you know, I was sitting, sitting there thinking about all the ways that this applied. You don't like the conversation? Fall asleep. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mean, Jeremy you, must have been tired today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you know. Uh, oh, we're going to be in the car for more than five minutes gone yeah man i can't do that anymore either oh man i haven't i can't tell you the last time i actually fell asleep in any mode of transportation um part of that is because i'm so freakishly tall and can't really you know even on a plane i can't sleep because yeah. the back the headrest on the uh, on the back of my airplane seat is so damn low it hits me about mid shoulder blade my, my problem is i can't turn my brain off like i'm such a control freak if i'm not driving i'm like eyeballs all over like Okay, in my head, I'm, I'm watching out for that. I'm watching out for that. Oh, oh, okay, they saw it. It's okay. I noticed that about you. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in my passenger seat several times. That's a hard switch to, to get off. It is. It is. I do the same thing with, you know, my wife drives her truck most of the time anywhere we go, um, simply because she's got a bigger truck, I guess, and it's just always been our dynamic. But I do the same thing. I'm always looking out for what is she about to hit or what is she about yeah. to blow through? What stop sign is she about to run? Um, oh, my God. We're, who's going to sue us? Yeah. Um, you know, so conversations, sleeping in the car, you know, just sleeping because you're bored. Yeah. yeah. Inevitably anymore, though, like, 
I'll get excited because I'll have the house to myself like I do today. I'll think, oh, I can watch this and th- I can watch Bruce Lee and don't have to worry about somebody rolling their eyes at it. Exactly. But you sit down and get still and then you go to sleep and then you wake up. With, not only did you go to sleep in the middle of something you wanted to watch, but now your neck hurts too. Yeah. <laughs> you got the double whammy. Well, and then if you sleep for, for me, if I sleep for more than half an hour to 45 minutes, if I make it to that hour, I know I'm not getting to sleep that night. Yeah. Yeah. Same. You know, so that's just absolutely horrifying knowing that crap. I'm going to be up to like midnight. Yeah. For as <laughs> awesome as naps are, they're actually not beneficial now. No, <laughs> no, not at all. You know, you're in a bad mood, take a nap, you know, sleeping for any reason. You know, that's the, any situation you're mad, take a nap. Okay. Solves your problems. Yeah. I mean, how, <laughs> how much of the world's problems I was right just gonna say, yeah. could be Man, solved? That, that would be such an easy fix. If we could just get some people to take a nap. Time out. Go take a nap. Go sleep. Go take a nap. Go rest. I mean, like, it's not like we don't know anybody named Donnie. Donnie needs to go take a nap. We'll wake up and have cookies and orange juice. And then everybody will high five and it'll be okay. Yep. Perfect. All right. My first one. Um, if you know me, uh, you know, I actually like a lot of uh, classical music and opera music. Wow. I did not know about the opera. But I mean, classical I did. I don't listen to it like out loud a lot because most people are like, why are you listening to this? But I have plenty that I listen to on my phone, but the opera part especially started um, because I watched Looney Tunes all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I I miss... the Wabbit. (laughs) Yeah. That one especially because that's the the opera. Um, I miss Looney Tunes and cartoons. Like, Looney Tunes were my favorite, but I watched Tom and Jerry. Um, What else did we watch? Because Saturday morning, it was like Ritual. Oh, definitely. You didn't sleep in. Like, you got up. You had to blast me out of bed with Dynamite Monday through Friday, Saturday morning. I'm up at 6 o'clock with a bowl of cereal yeah. ready to go, baby. Eat, eat your cereal. Turn cartoons on. Because it used to be you could get like an hour of Looney Tunes back when we were kids. Oh, yeah. And I don't remember what came on before or after it, though. It really doesn't matter because Looney Tunes was the important one. Yeah. Agreed. And the intro, you know, all the words to the intro. Overture, curtain Call. lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tonight's I learned night. more about opera music from, from Looney Tunes than I ever would have without it. Good call. I mean, that's a, that's a very good call. You know, uh, cartoons is a very big player in, in who I am as an adult even. Yeah. Uh, I remember – being in elementary school, walking home in the springtime, uh, I believe I was seven years old, 1984, spring of 1984, going home, we had cable and you wanted to get home as quickly as you could because WGN played GI Joe and transformers back to back. Yep. As cartoons. Yep. And then one day there's a baseball game on. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Why is there baseball instead of my cartoons? Mom! Well, mom was working. Uh, so we, we walked home. We were latchkey kids and uh, happened to be the Chicago Cubs and St. Louis Cardinals playing. Now, this is 1984. Yeah. If you know anything about baseball, you know that the Cubs were actually pretty damn good. good. Cubs, yeah. (laughs) And went to the NLCS in 1984, losing to the freaking Padres. Um, But, you know, it's like, and the Cubs did not have lights at Wrigley Field at Mm -hmm. that time. So when you got home, it was. Bottom of the third, top of the fourth. It's somewhere in that range most of the time. Yep. So you got to see a good five, five and a half innings of play most of the time. And Harry Carey was the broadcaster. Uh, well, who was, who was his partner? Was it Steve, Steve Stone? Stone? Yeah. Steve Stone. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, nobody important, but um, anybody that knows me will know that Jody Davis was the catcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can make all kinds of awesome baseball cards, baseball card trades if you had Jody Davis cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, foremost sucker of Jody Davis baseball cards right here. <laughs> uh, Rick Sutcliffe was their main pitcher. Uh, Leon Durham at first base. Ryan Sandberg at second. Uh, Sean Dunstan was not quite there yet, but it was... Wasn't Larry long. Boa. 
Larry Boa was the shortstop back then before Sean Dunstan. When did Dunstan come up? Was it 85? 80, 85, uh, 86? 86, yeah. So I think he came in on the September call-ups in 85 and then was a regular in 86, if I don't remember, if I recall correctly, which is cool because the first time I ever got to see the Cubs play in person, we had we were going up to see my grandparents in D.C. They were living in Alexandria, Virginia, so we made a freaking huge side trip to go to Atlanta to catch the Cubs and Braves play in Fulton County Stadium. Oh, wow. Um and then made the uh, fun decision to follow the team, the Cubs team bus back to the hotel, and I got Sean Dunstan's autograph. Sweet. Still have it. Is it on a card or a ball? It's on a card. <coughs> I've also got, before the game, we hung out, and I got uh, Ron Gantz, Steve Avery's autograph, uh, Lin- Charlie Win- Linquist. What year is this? 89, I believe. Okay. Uh, right after probably – Maybe 90, um, probably right, be- 90. right before the the Braves got good. Right before the Braves got good because the Maddox was still with the Cubs. Okay. He just wasn't pitching that game. Um, but uh, since then, you know, since the going back to the whole cartoons thing, you know, when you come home and you want to see cartoons and, you know, you kind of get used to a certain channel. And then Harry Carey's is as entertaining as a cartoon. Most yeah. of the time <laughs> He's like anyway. a human cartoon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it kind of sticks. And to this day, I am a gigantic Cubs fan. And, uh, you know, there was there was some crying in November of 2016. Uh, tears of joy. Um, they did it. They did it. Um, I do appreciate the Cubs reference a few podcasts ago. I was one of those fans. That, yeah, I knew uh, you'd appreciate it if you heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely one of those people that uh, felt the joy of, <laughs> of a World Series finally in my lifetime because there for a while I thought. Did it you? Never did happen. you? Okay, so uh, say two years before that, I was happy as hell because it got Theo Epstein. He ended the okay Red Sox before uh, before Epstein ever came. Did you? Th- mm. Did you really in your heart think you'd ever see one? No, I kind of figured that there would always be a way to. So you're talking about pre-Ricketts then, still with the Tribune Company as the main owner. Yeah. Yeah, as long as the Tribune Company owned the Cubs, there's never, ever going to be a chance. Because, and I'm sorry, Father, if you hear this, but newsprint is a dying medium. And they would have done everything they could to save money, even if that meant gutting the Cubs every year and making sure that they're like the Baltimore Orioles. What year did Chris Bryant come up? Chris Bryant came up in 2015. Was it 14? No, 16, he was MVP. So the year before, he was Rookie of the Year. Okay. So he went Rookie of the Year, and, and he asks me this because he knows that Bryant's my favorite player, current favorite player. Uh, well, I ask you because I genuine, genuinely didn't know the answer. Uh, yeah. I mean, I had an idea. But <laughs> but at 14, I believe he was Rookie of the Year. 15, he – or not 14, sorry. 15, he was Rookie of the Year. 16, he was MVP. They win the World Series. Also – Completes the you know starts the play that completes the last out for the yep. championship clinch to Rizzo. I saw them the next year in 2017 at Wrigley Field with most everybody that was still there from the World Series team. It was a great time had by all. Excellent. And I had fantastic seats behind the Cubs dugout. They make the playoffs that year. Yes, they, they did, did, didn't they? Yes, they yeah. did. Schwarber hit a home run. It was a monster blast. That the I one would, off the scoreboard. Uh, actually, this one went over the score scoreboard and onto uh, Waveland. It was against the Cardinals, wasn't it? Dodgers. This one, the uh, one that I saw was against the Dodgers. Okay. So that's also very satisfying whenever you can beat the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> now we're turning. Now we're. This we turned into the baseball part of uh, <laughs> yeah. podcast today. Exactly. Um, but yeah, cartoons are cartoons were my introduction to baseball. Kind of a weird. A weird uh, segue. Do you have to circle around there? Give me your second one. Second one is something that I see a lot in the field that I work in with the kids that I work with and kind of how we approach things with, with those kiddos. Um, instant friends. Yeah. You know, when you, there's a certain age, a kid, where if you see a bunch of kids playing around, you just join in, and all of them are instantly your friends. Yeah. There's no politics behind it. There's no motives behind anything. 
everyone's just there having a good time. And that person now is your friend. Yeah, you don't even know their name. Like, no, who is who's that? that? I don't know. It's my friend. It's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's my friend. Yeah, the oldest granddaughter has a streak of that. Like, if they go to basketball games and there's another, not even little, like she made like a ten year old friend the other day at the park. <laughs> <laughs> if you're willing to, if you're willing to spend any time with me, you're my friend now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> which, which I don't know if that's a good thing in this day and age, but uh, well, like, when do you grow out of that? I think I really kind of grew out of that around 10 or 11. I think it depends on what was going on. Because I still, like, even through high school and college, like, I could go jump in a pickup game of basketball and not care. Not that I was going to, like, hang out with any of those guys, but, like, I didn't have a problem with it. Anymore, though, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, anymore I wouldn't do that. I think probably the last person I did that with, as far as just like kind of like jumping in, just being like automatically kind of friendly towards somebody, I was in Minnesota. Yeah, you know, and it was that was a really awesome kind of weird circumstance that never gets to happen with anybody else in the except for the situation that I was in. Yeah, I mean that's just it's a it was it was cool it was fun, um, but. Not very many people get those set set of circumstances lined up in a way that made that happen. Like we talked about before we started recording about cup ball. Like how many games of cup ball did you play at a little league field? With, Thousands. With kids you didn't even know. Thousands. I played yeah. I played forty MLB seasons of <laughs> <Yeah>. cup ball. <laughs> I have ten thousand career cup ball at bats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and for you younger listeners who don't know what cup ball is. Uh, when you used to go to the Little League Park and you would order a drink from a concession stand, it still came in those wax-covered paper cups. Yes, sir. So you'd find, you find you wouldn't even have to buy a drink. You could just find a cup somewhere. Underneath the stands, best place to look, baby. Yeah, wad it up and make a ball. And There was an art to it. Yeah, you had, you had to get it tight. And eventually you wore it out because it wouldn't hold its shape. It wouldn't hold its shape, but you also wanted to get the top kind of at the edges to where they kind of caught air. So it would be like a wiffle ball, so it would have a good cut to it. Yeah, throw your sliders, your exploding, cutting fastballs. And you played with whoever was around that was in the neighborhood of your age, like in between the concession stand and the, the bleachers, so all the moms and dads wouldn't yell at you for being in the way. And, and your hand, your hand was the bat. Exactly, and there may be 40 kids playing. Yeah. Man, we had plenty of well, – I mentioned this too before we started recording. Going down to uh, the Wolferth Little League Park when you could still – it was one field and you could turn the lights on and nobody cared. And we would play really from the time the sun went down until the cops might drive by and say, hey, it's time to go home. <laughs> so 11 or so. Yeah. And it would be – literally like 20 kids on a team and crammed in that that little <laughs> field and you had to hit it over the fence or it was going to go right at somebody there was no there was no in between no in between yeah. no gaps no there were no doubles no no gap doubles no <laughs> <laughs> and forget about the triple Mm-mm. just was not happening and inevitably you'd always have some kid that would want to pitch and like get up on the mound and like actually want to pitch, yeah. <laughs> Rather than throwing smoke, yeah, they're playing just sand leak, sand leak pitch, sand lot pitch, and get up there and try and heat you up. And see, that's you know, kind of speaking of that and kind of going off of that uh, that riff right there. You know, have you ever watched the uh, professional wiffle ball leagues that they have? They're really not really professional, but they want to consider themselves professional wiffle ball leagues. Can you get a contract for that? I want to go do that right now. <laughs> no, right? But they have this gigantic thing in the back that if you apparently if you hit it with the ball, it's a strike. It's a strike, yeah. Yeah. The thing is gigantic. It's like a poster board back there. <laughs> <laughs> but there's goes, no there's no subjectivity to it then i understand like you, that part you of hit it. the board it's a strike no ifs ands or buts i understand that part but here's the problem that i have whenever whenever we were kids and we played wiffle ball and we played all these other made-up games the point was to hit the ball 
Well, yeah. <laughs> why, well, yeah, why would you want to walk? Why would you want to walk? Why would you want to strike out? And honestly, if you're a pitcher, you probably got subbed out if you kept on striking everybody out because yeah. everybody else is boring. Yeah. yeah, it's boring. <laughs> everybody else in the field is going, what the fuck? When we did uh, Thanksgiving at my mom's and all the nephews were over there, inevitably, you know, my mom has that big lot between mm-hmm. the shop and, and the house. Yeah. And so the nephews, and usually Ripley, if he's there, all play wiffle ball. And so I wouldn't feeling great still so i wasn't in the kitchen so i went outside and played with him mm-hmm. the first time i was up at bat uh i don't even remember if who it was that was pitching but he hit me and like they all like dropped their head and turned around like oh he's going first i was like no you don't, no 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 not don't wiffle first ball. Wiffle ball. No. <laughs> just throw it again that's a ball yeah. come on do it again yeah it's, it's just a total different set of rules nowadays you know and it's just like damn i mean you know, I guess, you know, if you have, you know, and the, these wiffle ball leagues only have like three or four players going at, at a time anyway. So I guess within that situation, it's fine. But back when we were playing, man, somebody brought out a wiffle ball set. Every kid from three blocks down was coming. Yeah, it's like you could hear the you could hear the, the echo, yeah, <laughs> from oh, way over on the other street. You could hear the bonk and everybody's come, everybody comes running, you know, because that's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, if a pitcher sits there and starts striking everybody out and there's no action going on in the field, hey, man, no, you're, pit- you're not pitching next inning. Yeah. No. Let Steve pitch. Steve throws slow. <laughs> and you're trying to crank everything you can <laughs> as far as you can. Every yeah. time. Yep. Every time. You know, and that, for us, I mean, uh, th- those of us that played baseball, eventually it made us better hitters. I mean, remember the first yeah. time that you actually saw a curve, probably about 10, 11 years old, Little League, and some kid got up there thinking, I can throw the curveball, and he throws it up there, and it's nowhere near the wiffle ball curve that you've been seeing for the last three <laughs> yeah. years. And like it just there. spun and fell rather than, like, exploding four feet across the it, other batter's box. Yeah. I mean, it was like, <laughs> heck, yeah, okay, it's just a slower fastball. Yeah, I, I've just, seen that before now. Yeah. You know, so it was really nothing for us to sit there and see, okay, you know, you, you crank that ball as hard as you could and probably got a home run off of it. That kid doesn't throw a curveball again until he's 13, 14 years old and he actually has some velocity <laughs> he's behind scared. it. He's like, man, I got rocked that day at Sand League. <laughs> but that's the way it worked, you know. Nowadays, these kids are sitting there. I mean, and I've seen some youth baseball recently, and it's just a whole different perspective because that's all they do. They've never played wiffle ball because they're too concerned about playing the real thing, real baseball. And so a kid that has a really lazy curve is striking out everybody on the side because they can't hit it because they've never seen one yeah, before. Yeah, they've never looked at it, yeah. You know, so it's just it's just different. All right, that was your second one. Let yes, me sir. Look at my list here. Or we went on a tangent there. We did. They're, they all kind of bleed together, though. It's my next one. Kind of uh, like Like living in Wolferth growing up, like you could walk anywhere in 15 or 20 minutes. But if you rode your bike, dude, you could go wherever in five or six minutes. And then you and whoever's house you just went to could go down to the baseball park or down to so-and-so's house, go to Ty King's house and play video games or go to Paco's or whatever. So having a bike, dude, that was... I mean, the next greatest thing to your bike was getting a car at 16. Getting your driver's license. Yeah. Because literally, yeah, like here, I was still riding bikes places when I was really into junior high. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. You know, well, you know, Wolforth being a much smaller town than it is now, I mean, Wolforth is just boom. I mean, yeah. it's gone huge. But, you know, just in the neighborhood, you know, you have friends two blocks over. Well, yeah, you can get there on a bike really quickly. And you could cheat and like go through the alley. Go through the alley, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And doing stupid BMX tricks. Like, did you ever? <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, surfing on your bike. I imagine you probably did that where you stick one foot in the handlebars and one foot up on the seat and you surf the street after you get a good amount of speed going up Man. and down the street. First time, it, it wasn't me that wrecked, actually. It's back. I was younger than – I was probably eight or nine because we still lived in the trailer park over on West 34th Street. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember that place well. So we there was four or five of us one day, and we were doing uh, – we had like a long strip of sidewalk that went from our gate, the front gate, 
up to the porch. Mm-hmm. So we were we had our bikes and we would start up by the porch, and you had to pop a wheelie and see how far you could ride the wheelie down the sidewalk. Ah, and then yeah. everybody else's who who was not on the bike at the time in in our infinite genius, uh, <laughs> in order to accurately measure how far the wheelie actually got ridden. We laid down next to the sidewalk <laughs> <laughs> so that our eyeballs were like level with it, so we could measure as it went as the bike rider went by. Well, somebody I don't even remember who it was, but a, a, another kid who was laying down, his name was Wade. One kid popped the wheelie and laid his bike over on top of Wade, and it like opened him up in oh. his eyebrow, like he, <laughs> he was bleeding pretty profusely, as head wounds are. Uh, yeah, to do. And then uh, if Andy were still around, she'd want to tell you the story about when I was playing air guitar, riding my bike. I thought I was hot shit. And (laughs) we pulled out of the driveway and I got going. So I'm like, yeah, check it out. Look, and I'm closing my eyes playing air guitar. And I drifted and just rang myself on a truck mirror that was parked in the truck was parked in the street and she would get so much joy out of retelling that just because it caused you some sort of it knocked me off my bike i was that was the last well no that was not the last bad bike wreck i had (laughs) 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 i had one much worse when i was adult that i think i cracked my kneecap and lost about 25 percent of my thigh muscle over the course of a couple of months it was bad yeah yikes did you ever do the whole uh, stick your foot in the yokes of the bike or the front wheel so you could do the back wheelie? I think I tried, but I never was very good at like bike tricks or skateboard tricks. And I got to a point where I was I, like, I could I, never ride a skateboard unless trying. I was sitting on it. But yeah, no, the, that one, <laughs> you put your jam your foot in the yoke between the tire and the yoke of the, of the, front, of the uh, front wheel and it would kick up your back wheel. Well, this is a trick that I learned from one of the kids in my neighborhood that I was growing up in on 43rd, mm-hmm. um, which is ironic because you used to live on 43rd recently. Yeah. Um, just a block or two down the street from where I used to live when I was a younger kid. And uh, that was really fun until your toenail turned black and fell out. <laughs> <laughs> then it wasn't so fun anymore. You're like, Man, that was dumb. Just stupid, stupid things. Stupid things. But yeah, bikes, bike riding was was the best. I mean, that's how we got around for a, a lot of a lot. Yeah, of us. back in the days when you didn't have to be so concerned about where your where you were. Yeah, or you know, from a parent's perspective, where your kid was. I used to ride my bike to little league practice, and that included crossing 50th Street in Lubbock. Oh, well, wow. yeah, you know, so that was you know that's that's a different situation entirely, and I. Was a, I was the catcher on our team, so I had my own catcher's gear. gear. I had to carry my own gear. <laughs> you needed a wagon, bro. I need. I do. <laughs> but it was great. But that's that's the kind of freedom you had with your bike. Yeah. All right, give me your next one. I'm going to go with you know in, in reverence to your one of your previous podcasts. No politics. Yeah, no politics was pretty awesome. I don't even. I mean, I was trying to think about this the other day. When do you remember actually knowing who the president was and knowing what he looked like at the same time? Mm, I can remember well enough the 80... Let me think of how it would have failed. It would have been the 84 election. Wow. So Ronald Reagan... Michael Dukakis? Yeah, when he just... I mean, that I'm going to raise taxes, so I don't want that, that might have been the most lopsided, yeah, it, you know, you know presidential level election, yeah, probably ever. What is it, forty nine to one on states? Uh, it carried? was something, yeah, something just absurd. But I can I can remember like seeing things on the news as election results were coming in that it was not it was not going to be you know three or four day later. Yeah, my first one. I'm going to tally. I'm going to tell you how bad a politics I follower I was I didn't really notice until 92 and it's not that I like paid attention really I mean I just knew who Ronald Reagan I knew who was. Ronald Reagan was because the if you remember if you're of our age you remember that a lot of the sitcoms had the very popular joke and you say well who's the president Ronald Reagan the actor yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and so you were kind of forced to know who Ronald Reagan was but I had no idea who George Herbert Walker Bush was mm-hmm 
you know, and I really didn't know who he was until he ran honestly against Bill Clinton in 92. Yeah. You know, and why did I know that? Because I was an avid Saturday Night Live watcher. Well, yeah, I mean, for people our age, um, it's probably not been so much the last 15 or 20 years, but, like, you got a lot of political information from Saturday Night Live, oddly enough. Yeah. Cause, and, and it is still now, but, like, it was such a popular part of their show, like, figuring out who was going to be Oh yeah, each character. Oh, ninety-two. Danny Carvey's playing two presidential candidates. Come on. Yeah, and really, that's their job for the next four years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> job security. Baby. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, you know, you think of all the political things that we've had to endure. I would say, for me as an adult, over the last twenty years, just the discourse and everything else that was going along with it. When we were kids, none of that mattered to us. No, nah, you didn't care. We didn't care because it, it was so far away that it, it really didn't affect us. And honestly, you know, it, it, and I don't care where your politics lie, but gosh, I would love for the federal government to be that way again at such an arm's length that they really don't affect that us. You, yeah, that you don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. I would love for that to happen. And at, as someone that follows my political leanings, you know, having a government, a federal government especially, that is at that distance is probably a good thing. Yeah, I think, you know, that's just your, when you're younger, your your sphere of importance is so small, tight. Yeah. It's who lives in your house and your pet and grandparents. Yeah. Maybe one or two kids, you know, at school and then you get older and you know more kids at school and then you get to high school and you play sports and, you know, you've got teammates who look different than you and. You play against kids who look different than you. And oh, yeah. Then you go to college, and you meet a whole new set of people, oh. and you think, God, high school was fucking tiny, <laughs> like in the scope of things in the world. Yeah. And then it, it just keeps blossoming from there. Yeah. Yeah, going from Lubbock, Texas to St. Paul, Minnesota was a eye-awakening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it I, was different. <laughs> I, I only went three hours away, but you get such a, a broader spectrum of, of – of kids than you do in high school. You know, I, we had kids from my roommate was from Canada. Yeah. The big part of our baseball team was from Wisconsin. Who knows? I mean, how did they play baseball? About Wisconsin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they played baseball in May and June. Yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. went fishing the rest of the summer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My roommate in college was from, from Hawaii and had spent the previous semester in Germany yeah, as yeah. an exchange student. Um, so, I mean, just a, Eric, wherever the hell you are, man, I hope you're doing well somewhere out there in Hawaii, hopefully. Yeah, but, hopefully in, in Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, it's a great place to be, I guess. <laughs> yeah, don't stay in Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, one, I was introduced to a crap ton of very alternative lifestyles in Minnesota that I had never gotten exposed to here. Yeah. Um, so much so that the uh, RA, resident advisor for our dorm, his room was right next to mine. First day of school, big burly guy with a big bushy beard, bushier than my current beard, comes out in a dress and full makeup. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So I was like, this is different. Well, this is different. Still a great guy. I mean, he was, I mean, very caring dude, all that kind of stuff. But I was not expecting because the previous two or three times that I had met him, Dressed just like I did. Yeah. First day of school, he wears a dress and makeup. Different. Tired of uh, being in the closet, I guess. It's like, eh, I've already been here. Everybody knows me. Pretty I mean, much. I guess that's, you know, I, I don't have experience in it, and I don't want to speak for anybody, but, like, that way, you know, there's going to be a particular group of people that already know who you are and sort of know what to expect. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's probably the best way to do it, just rip off the Band-Aid. Yeah, you know, first time I remember uh, our coach, our head coach, and I went up to Minnesota to play football. First day, uh, first day of move in, when all the students are supposed to show up, instead of having practice, our head coach made us help everyone move in. And I guess that's something that happens a lot in a, across different campuses across the country or something like that. That's what he wanted us to do. So we got assigned a dormitory to help the students move into their dorms, kind of as a 
reach out. It's a good idea, you know, especially the team that I played for. We weren't, it was basically like Lubbock High Part 2. They weren't very good. Yeah. Um, You know, just trying to get some sort of student support for the football team. So we'd have somebody in the stands on a Saturday. And uh, I remember sitting there carrying a stack of boxes, just barely being able to see over the top. And walking through the dorm, like, okay, just make sure I'm getting to the right place. And then here comes this young lady with a military crew cut, which I had never seen before on a young lady, stark naked down the hallway. And I'm like, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't seen that before in Texas. No. <laughs> that's different. Yeah, um, well, like, that's a good way also to maybe give those kids who are a lot more introverted, like I was. Uh, not forced, but like an opportunity to actually speak with with people they don't know. Because even my first semester, my roommate was from Dumas, but he was as introverted and shy as I was. So, so that that room was dude, quite as yeah. a mouse. Yeah, you could have held church service in there. Oh yeah, uh, we probably said. 12 sentences to each other through the course of two semesters. I'm thinking that's an overstatement. <laughs> it, might, it might have been. But then, you know, by the time you get through that second semester, now you've been around everybody, particularly like from a baseball perspective, because you've, you've played a season now through that spring semester. So you know everybody. So then you come back the next year, and that's when everything went sideways. <laughs> yeah, things went sideways for me when I dislocated my shoulder and uh, ran that out of place really bad and didn't get it put it back into place in a prompt enough time, which led to this year, yeah, <laughs> 25 yeah. years later. It all catches up with me. It all catches up. At some point, if you've ever played high-level college foot, you know, high-level football, and we're talking anything probably past varsity high school football, at some point in time, the bill comes due. Always does. Is it me or you? Uh, let's see. That was yours because we did politics, right? Yeah. We uh, really didn't talk a whole lot about politics. Well, <laughs> yeah. And really, like, my next one is games. And we've already, like, talked a bunch about <laughs> stuff like that. Cup ball, wiffle ball. But then we invented, like, our own indoor card games. Are we talking about the infamous long-distance spoons? That's right. Oh my God! Lots of you will know spoons. Uh, it's where you—it's like a race to. Do you collect four of the same one? Is that how it is? Uh, it honestly, yes. As far as cards are concerned, yes, you collect four cards of the same uh, level. So all eights, all tens, whatever. Yeah, and then you have within the center of however many people you have playing, you have sp- spoons laid out, but you have one less than the players. The num- yeah, the number of players. So when the first person collects their four cards. You reach in and grab a spoon, and then it's a race for everybody else to grab the remaining spoons because the person who doesn't grab a spoon is out. So it's like musical chairs with cards. Exactly. So I sucked at this game. It was terrible. I hated it. So I decided I needed to change the rules in my favor. So, <laughs> which Mark was known to be. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. So instead of, uh, making it where the spoons were right in front of us uh, because I was the oldest. I was like, look, let's, let's make it fun. Why don't we do make it where the spoons are all the way on the other side of the room? Cause that way, like the little kids, I could just like hip check them out of the way or squash them and climb over them or whatever, which primarily meant Amanda <laughs> yeah, and go ahead and grab a spoon and not really, I don't have to win the card portion. I just have to not end up spoonless. So we would play long-distance spoons. My mom and dad had a living room. It was huge. huge. It, was, it was gigantic. It was probably close to 50 feet long. Uh, so we'd start our card game at one end of that living room and put the spoons at the other end. And it would just be a – really, it turned into like tag team wrestling sort of. Oh, that's that's uh, another understatement on your part, sir. <laughs> <laughs> there were some injuries. Uh, Plenty of feelings hurt. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, you also got to remember, I mean, this is how far it went. Because your parents' room was kind of separa- separated by a little office. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made a U-shaped. So at one point, we started putting the spoons in front of your parents or in front of your mom's dresser. 
Yeah. And it was a, basically a U-shaped track that we had to run. So we had to go all the way down to the end where the fireplace was, hook a right, and hook another right immediately, miss the bed, and dive before you hit well, the dresser. Did we make it a full lap at one point? Because between my bedroom door and their bedroom door was that, was that little hide a yeah that hide a door that yeah just slid the pocket in and door and we could close it and really make like a full yeah lap at some point the house. at some point we put it like in front of Andy's bedroom yeah gosh that's a long way and so and your mom bless her soul <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure our parents just they, I mean like hated us at one it point. Was, and, and we started getting calculated because this, we were starting to get old enough to where we started to calculate the risk with things. So oh, sure. when our parents would start playing cards, we didn't start playing spoons, at least the long distance version, until they were at least in a drink or two. Yeah. So they wouldn't really get as They wouldn't quick, care as much. much. Yeah. Exactly. The, the, the response to our shenanigans <laughs> was, was <laughs> muted by beverages of adult nature yeah and uh you know especially when you started to hear my dad and your dad starting to get really loud because as everybody knows that they cheat at cards all the time all the time um we're talking about pro quarterback oh (laughs) (laughs) just just that one yeah i've got hold on i've got a list (laughs) um but uh you know as soon as you started to hear my dad kind of Blurred out his big guffaw. Yeah. It was on. <laughs> spoons are going somewhere. So play spoons now? <laughs> Some spoons are going somewhere on a distance here, and it's about to get rough. Yeah. Andy and I also invented this. Well, hold on. Andy invented this deal, and it really became like a form of currency between us. So she had a some kind of peach and white checkered blanket. That for whatever reason slid really well across the carpet. I remember that blanket, yes, because we've all taken rides on that blanket. But yeah, blanket rides were a form of currency, and so she would sit on the back corner of that blanket, and I would pull the front corner, and she thought it was fucking great. I and mean, we're talking about you know I was eleven or twelve, 12 or fourteen yeah, like years 10. old. Yeah, so it's not like we were like little kids. That became like if I wanted something from her. The equation meant that I was going to have to perform X number of blanket, blanket rolls. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you had, I remember doing that one time, and uh, that you had that bathroom basically right across from Andy's room. Mm-hmm. And tequila was in that room for whatever the reason. The cat, not the drink. Yeah, the cat, <laughs> the cat. And uh, she came out and just... I guess wasn't expecting me to be there. <laughs> Probably the first time I remember being scratched by a cat. <laughs> the cat was kind of mean. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that. That was a blanket. That was a blanket ride uh, situation right there. Just the stupid games that we played. What about Yes or Me, sir? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I forgot about that. Sort of like Simon says. I'd, like I know that you had to include that. One day I was walking through the park and I saw number one go to the end of the line. And before that sentence, before before the end of the line sentence came out, number one had to sit there and respond, "Yes or me, sir." Oh, okay. God, man, I hadn't thought about that in, since the last time we played it, probably. For <laughs> 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 thirty years. <laughs> thirty, yeah, man, thirty-five probably. Um, uh, <clears throat> another contentious subject as far as games are concerned and it's not really a made-up game but it is a game that we played nerf basketball yeah yeah that got violent uh i think we actually cracked the <laughs> door of your closet we one probably time, did yeah one time and your mom but this was not the this is not the bigger house this is before y'all moved across the street okay yeah that'd have been about right because that would have been like 10 to 14 for me yeah and we i think we actually broke the door at least not all the way through but we put a crack down the center of it yeah you older listeners know what we're talking about it was the little basketball goal that you put over your either closet or bedroom door and it had the foam ball that you shot but only we played it was literally like full contact nerf basketball so yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
There was tackling and dropping elbows. and <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have had pads on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, plenty of flying dunks that resulted in knees into the door that, yeah, I'm sure that all the doors by the time we left the house <laughs> could have used some work. Well, those, that closet door, I think, was hollow. Yeah. And so, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, you get two boys that are probably well over 80 pounds at that point in time. So, I get 160 pounds going linear force. Yeah. It's not going to hold up. No, it's not like we were taking it easy either. No. No. I, you know, we've gotten bloody noses from that. I think one of us chipped a tooth. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a whole other story. Yeah, uh, that's but it's a true story. Very much a true story. First time I ever broke my tooth was we were playing wiffle ball, in fact, over at the trailer park. Oh, yeah. And I ran into the bars of a wrought iron porch. That was the first one of mm-hmm. several. So wiffle ball can be dangerous, kids. Safety uh, first. Yeah. What about the time, you know, did you, if you ever played wiffle ball enough, you started to get the bat, the bat started to get a little flat? Oh, yeah. Tape? Yeah. Tape. I, I'm looking around in here because I, I expect to have a wiffle ball bat. <laughs> I, I do not, actually. But when I did, like you wrap them in athletic tape and that keeps them from splitting. Or duct tape. Duct tape was a very popular choice as well. Not only that, but I mean, you would have sword fights with those suckers. <laughs> Yeah, that was loud. Crack, <laughs> <laughs> bong. <laughs> that was a uh, those those were uh, interesting ways of having to explain new bruises and oh, whelps. Yeah. <laughs> Why is your ass red? <laughs> Mark hit me. Well, you see, <laughs> Mark hit me with the there's a wiffle ball bat. <laughs> All right, give us your last one there. Uh, my last one is going to be discovering new things frequently. It's, you know, when you start to get older, you start to get into these ruts of just doing the same stuff all the stinking time. Yeah. And when you're young, there's so much opportunity out there. You discover new things all the time. And it's, this is one that I really kind of discovered through the kiddos that I work with that when they discover something new and they like it, just that intense joy, yeah, of discovering. The something. Oh, 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 yeah! It's like you're turned French all of a sudden. You know, I mean, think of all the weird crap you did as a kid that you thought was so good, but today you would say, "Oh God, no!" Yeah, like you just completely know better. Suicide cokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, like the of idea you, of that is just terrible. And for those of you that don't know what a suicide coke is, it's basically a shot of every soda off of the dispenser. Ugh, gross. <laughs> it's pretty nasty. So you end up with orange and big red and Mountain Dew and Diet Coke. Oh, it's <laughs> awful. It's pretty. It's pretty horrifying. It's pretty horrifying. But as a kid, I want a suicide coke. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, that's what you did. And you, it made your stomach feel awful. <laughs> but <laughs> you did it. Sugar. You did it every time. Yeah, but that's. I mean, but that's something that you discovered that you didn't know could be a great thing. Yeah, you know, um, just you know, because as a kid, you know, I think about my own kids in this situation that they're going to discover a whole lot more as adults than I did because, in a lot of ways, my own kids were very picky eaters. <sighs> yeah. Growing up. We have a house full of those here. Right? And so it's going to be, and I think this probably ties into your final one as far as food is concerned, but the amount of choices that I gave my kids versus the amount of choices I had as a child growing up as far as what I was going to eat was two different things. Yeah. You know, my kids had a lot more options available to them because one, I didn't, you know, my cooking skills developed over time. I didn't have those when I first became a parent. Yeah. So we ate out a lot. So a whole menu for a child is available, essentially. Yeah. You know, so what are they going to pick? Chicken nuggets. Because they know they know what it is. Yeah. I, I think that was... And I it's universal. Like a chicken nugget is a chicken nugget, nugget kind of regardless of where you go. Exactly. You know, and I think... I don't, I don't know if this was an actual rule, an unspoken rule, but it, it felt like it was a rule. 
and, and my recollection may be slightly off of this, but if you went out to eat when I was a kid and you went to a Mexican food place, by God, you're going to have Mexican food. Yeah. It wasn't ever a rule, but like, <laughs> from my perspective, you, you know me well enough. I'm going to talk shit if you did, if you did <laughs> order Mexican food. Yeah. Like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> exactly. You know, and I can remember taking my boys, you know, and my, 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 all three of my kids actually to a Mexican food restaurant and, I want the burger. Somebody, yeah, somebody what orders the hell? a grilled cheese. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're going to eat. I don't like tomatoes. You're eating salsa. Yeah. I don't like onions. You're eating salsa. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's one of those, it's one of those situations. And it's just like, you know, I discovered those things when I was a kid. You know, I discovered how good fajitas are, how good enchiladas are. The one, because your mom makes fantastic enchiladas. You know, she, my mom makes a pretty good cheese enchilada as well. Yeah. Um, so those are things to look forward to. I mean, you're going to a Mexican food restaurant, you're going to eat good. Yeah. You know, I still have kids that go to a steak place and they get a burger. Yeah. It's, uh, that's the waste. <laughs> that's the trim. <laughs> it's weird. Like, is that a, you know, looking back now, you know, is our, our kids food choices, I say kids, like I'm still talking about, you know, kids anywhere from 15 to 25 now. Yeah. Like, are, are, are those choices that they're making, is that just because we didn't do a good job as parents? Like, like even though, like you said, and that, I, like I, that stuck with me, like the options we have now as adults to present to our kids, I think are infinitely different than when our parents were our age you know younger bringing up us as, as kids i mean i remember when chicken nuggets were first introduced at mcdonald's yeah that was a big deal yeah so it's it's a conundrum between like you know ease and convenience and knowing that they're going to have something that they're actually going to eat versus trying to build some diversity in yeah and maybe they don't eat it all or end up hungry yeah I mean, that was that was always an option in our household. If you don't like what I made, you can go home hungry. Yeah. Or you go go to bed hungry. Mindy and I have talked before, like if I had it to do all over again, like I wouldn't introduce other kid type food. Mm-hmm. Because like, lots of places don't do that. Lots, that's a pretty American thing. Yeah. Uh, like I'm gonna make this, and and you you can have this, and if you don't like this, then you're gonna you're gonna have to go without. Yeah. This this is what we have. Yeah. I mean, I got introduced to. I mean, the amount of vegetables that I ate as a child. Probably more than what I eat now, as far as vegetation. But I'm also you know, on a diet regime that doesn't allow me to have a, a huge amount of vegetables anyway. Yeah. But I can't tell you whether or not my children, at the present day, when the last time they ate something like black eyed peas. Yeah. Man, it's hard because I think, like, if I could just cook whatever I wanted to cook without having to worry about how much of it was going to get eaten, I think I would cook a lot more in different stuff. But, I, yeah, like, I would eat black-eyed peas, but I don't think anybody else in this house would. Yeah, I, I, I don't think same my kids me. would. I don't know if my – I think my wife would, but I don't think – I don't think the kids would eat it. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty darn sure the kids wouldn't even touch it. Yeah, I'm not eating that. You know, and it's not even just that. And this is where I kind of feel sorry for the kids that are growing up nowadays because of the internet. They're exposed to so much, so much stuff over the internet that actually discovering something that is not food related, something as an experience or something like that, that is taken away from them at such an early age that it loses its meaning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're talking about things like, I don't know. I mean, I, and this is something that I really don't don't really have a whole lot of experience with, but something as far as simple as a first kiss. As much adult material that is out there on the internet and your kids have access to it, has the element of the first kiss, your first ever kiss, really lost its meaning? Man, I'm so far removed from that. I, like, I don't even have a good... I know. I mean, but it's... A good perspective on it. That's but, a, I mean, I understand the point you're trying to make, yeah. 
and so that discovery situation right there is is really something that I wonder if our if this generation of kids that are growing up with the access to the internet that they have is is tainted in a lot of ways because I see that with my own kids I mean and I see that with a lot of kids too I mean their their gaming experience is like well I did this and it's like yeah but did you ever actually hit a home run and know what that feels like did you ever actually score a touchdown and know what that feels like yeah you know because yeah I mean I, I wonder if that experience or that endorphin rush is kind of the same thing for those for our kids but also at the same time those things are so easily rep, uh, repeatable and, and the video well, game I platform. Mean, yeah. That, yeah. Because it's repeatable and because it's a, a chemical reaction in your brain that you don't really have control of, you know, you get that first hit of adrenaline or I don't know, you know, serotonin or whatever it is. Endorphins. That, yeah. That makes you go, Oh wow, that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's repeatable in a video, in video games, like that's real easy to sort of lose the association with the real part of whatever it is that game's associated with. Yeah, well, I'm. You know, we're talking from sports games perspectives here. But. Well, we obviously because things are of that nature. But I mean, think about for us as also hunters, all those kids that are even adults that sit there and play hunting games all the time and just expect. You know, you're sitting down for two minutes and they're going, "Where's the deer?" Yeah. <laughs> You know, on my video Why game. is there a giant elk not walking in front of me yet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because both of us have eaten tag sandwiches before. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's so gratifying when you when you make a, you know, when you do have success in a hunting situation, but there's a whole mess of people that just don't understand what it actually takes to hunt nowadays and don't realize that... <sighs> Yeah. You don't just sit down and pull up your phone and a deer comes walking across you the minute you're ready. Yeah. You know, so that that kind of perspective too is Yeah, and it's of, hard to like that's a hard thing to undo too. It is. You know, and I took my daughter hunting once and I think she was bored just because of the lack of action that was available. Even though we had a doe later in that day snorting and pawing and grunting and pissed off at the world because we were there. Mm-hmm just outside of my blind, that first blind that I built. And that was the coolest, it was the coolest experience I had had at that point. Yeah. Quite honestly. I don't know if it had the same impact on her as it did on me. Yeah. Cause one, it was her first time hunting and she has played video games to a point to where, you know, I, she was bored to tears most of the time. Yeah. You know, so those experiences of one being able to commune with nature, you know, and, and being in that natural environment and appreciating it. Well, and thing, things are, there's so much now, we sound like fucking old men. <laughs> <laughs> My kids have it so easy these days. Oh, I know, right? Like, the reason there's a bit, like, this is just me talking now, this is just opinion. I think that the reason that baseball has really declined in the last 20 years or so is because it is goddamn hard to hit a baseball uh, effectively. It's hard to throw a baseball like you're supposed to throw it. Like, those things are hard to do. Yes, sir. And there's plenty of instances where, you know, parents encourage their kids, well, let's go out and try it. And they try it for once or twice, and you're not good at it. It's much easier to go skateboard. It's much easier to go play video games. It's much easier to do whatever. Like hard things are, they're hard, but the payoffs are in, infinitely better. Yeah, and hunting I think is included in that. And that's another, you know, old man tweet there that <laughs> new Twitter account. Old man tweets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it exists somewhere. <laughs> like hunting is hard. It's a lot of patience and not. All, it doesn't always pay off, even when you're good and you know what you're doing. Well, as, as our as our good friend Mike would say, it's called hunting, not getting. Yeah, it's not like going to the grocery store. You know, so that's yeah. I mean, I just I'm worried about those first time experiences on both sides, honestly, on the what they have already experienced and what they will never experience because of today's technology. Yeah. All right, enough old man talk there. 
Uh, USC number yours. four. Yeah, it'd be my fourth one. Uh, man, and we've already sort of brought it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I miss getting fed. <laughs> <laughs> like not having to worry about, A, what we're going to do for dinner, and B, executing the plan, and C, cleaning it up. and Man. Those were the days, yeah. right? You just showed up and food was there magically, and you partake. You partook, even when it was something I didn't like, like green beans. They're snakes. Well, that was when I was little. Like I've, I've liked <laughs> green beans for a while. I know, but I couldn't resist the dig. Yeah, that was when I was like little, little. Uh, but like barbecue weenies, God, I used to hate those. But that was what was for dinner, and so I ate it. I, however, I did refuse to eat tuna casserole, <laughs> like flat out. I couldn't do it. See, at tuna casserole, I've got fonder memories of tuna casserole. My mom actually made a pretty good tuna casserole. Um, but the things that I kind of end up missing more than anything as far as being fed is stuff that my great-grandmothers would make. Yeah. You know, my great-grandmother, I, if you know me, you know that I absolutely hate popcorn. Yeah. But I still miss my my Mima's popcorn. Um. This this is just the way that she made it on the stovetop with real butter. Yeah, in the in the pan. In the pan, yeah. you know, not Jiffy Pop pan. The, the, I mean, we're talking the, pan, like, the saucepan with the a, lid. A saucepan <laughs> with the lid, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's probably it's a if, long time. You know, ago. if 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 she came back, that probably the, be the next time I eat popcorn. Yeah, you know, as if if Meemaw came out of the grave and was able to produce some popcorn. She also made fantastic rolls. You know, and I mean, yeah, you can get rolls anywhere, but they don't hold a candle to my. To me, while it's homemade yeast rolls. Yeah. My other great grandmother made chicken and dumplings like you wouldn't believe. You know, and yeah, Cracker Barrel's kind of close, but it's not. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't know why. I've tried this as an adult, but she also made grape Kool Aid with the big with half an orange in the Kool Aid. Doesn't taste. You know, if I do that, it won't taste anywhere close to being what like she we, had. My mom did this deal with grape Kool Aid and pineapple juice. And I remember, like, being a kid, I thought, yeah, that this shit is good. good. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I remember I the grape Kool-Aid. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that until you said that with the orange. But, you know, it's, it's yeah. I mean, but being fed, you know, my, we used to mow my grand, my Meemaw's yard for rolls. I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> barter. That was a barter, man, all the way. Yeah. You know, it's also how I started my baseball card collection. Because at some, point, at some point, she actually started paying us a little bit of cash. And we'd go down to the convenience store just to block or two away and start buying baseball cards with that money. Yeah. I, when I wanted a new hat, um, I'd go and mow my dad's mom's yard. Cause that was fucking huge. And I had to do it with the push mower. Mm-hmm. And at the time I got 20 bucks for it. And looking back at it, you know, that's a lot of money, man. Now it's worth 50 easy. <laughs> that yeah. yard was enormous, but I could go get a fitted hat for 20 bucks then too. Oh so. yeah. And now those things are creeping up to yeah, $50. Now they're themselves. almost 50. Yeah. But yeah, getting fed was that's that is probably the most silence inducing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and argument generating question in our household. Now. What's for dinner? Yeah, yeah, now. What's for dinner? Well, I want this. Well, I don't like that. We just had that the other day. You just you have an opinion, apparently, so tell me what it yeah. is. I don't know why, but like if I'm in the kitchen and I already have something started, like it annoys me to no end if somebody comes in and says, what are you making? So I'm like, well, look. In my head, <laughs> yeah, in my head, I'm like, well, you're either going to eat it or you're not. So <laughs> just just wait and see. It'll be a surprise. Because inevitably, if I say it, they're going to be like, oh, and we'll turn around and walk out, and then I'll be like, well, why am I wasting all this time? Yeah, like last night I, I uh, made a pork tenderloin in a mushroom cream sauce. Mm-hmm. French looked it up. I mean, with a, and it had port wine, pork cream. I thought it was great. Well, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of pork. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Christ. Because <laughs> I thought it was really good. Yeah. They're like I'm sitting there going, so is this repeatable? I'm sitting there getting, trying to lean in for the – yeah. And they're like, eh. eh. I don't like pork. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of pork. It's the best part of pork right there. <laughs> what? I was sitting there going, I found something that I can use wild boar for. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Pass. It had eyelashes in a soul. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. 
Exactly. All right, give me. You have some uh, honorable mentions there. I did. Um, one of them that you kind of touched on was the games, and these were the made-up games that we had. Yeah. Growing up, so we we've covered that one extensively. Uh, the other one was being that little kid where it be, right before you start to have a filter, <laughs> <laughs> where you're just brutally honest in your viewpoints on everything. Yeah. That I love that about kids. You know, it's like you're tall. Oh yeah, kid. <laughs> Good call, buddy. Yeah, way to go. You're fat. <laughs> hey, I'm that too. <laughs> way to go. You know. Yeah. Hey, you're short and dumb. You can't write your name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just that brutal honesty where there's no filter attached whatsoever. Yeah. To what you're, you know, what they're saying is is just so I miss that because there are so many times where I want to sit there and tell, especially insurance company personnel. Mm-hmm how absolutely moronic, illogical, and stupid they actually are. It would make you feel so good if you, the words it could just would. come out. It would. Yeah. But you know you have to talk to them later, so yeah, you can't but, really say yeah. that again. You know, it's At that, some point, you're going to need them to write you a check for something. Exactly. <laughs> so there's your filter. Yeah. <laughs> Filters suck. <laughs> what about your honorable mentions? Uh, I don't even have one. We've talked about a whole lot of stuff. I didn't come up with a whole big list i tried to just knock my four out there gotcha thanks for coming man man it was fun i do want to say one real quick that tomorrow is my middle son's 21st birthday so happy birthday to him happy birthday there aiden, aiden. and uh congratulations to ripley on the star test he was pretty proud of his, he was his proud score, i right? mean he did make a 94 he did so i just <laughs> want to make sure that he's that he knows that he's appreciated <laughs> oh all right this is fun let's get out of your hair we're about an hour now um you can email the show as always it's pick four podcast at gmail.com uh i told landry started his own podcast uh first episode will be out probably by the time this episode comes out so go check it out it's uh having said that with landry griffith um you're turning into like the Stephen ranella yeah, we're I'm trying to, like, have our own little podcast network here. We're going to be media conglomerate. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so go give him I a listen. Like Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, catch you again next week.